Welcome to the Daniel Artest Podcast, and today I have a special guest. I have John Mosley. He is the head coach of the East Los Angeles uh, Community College Huskies. You've probably heard of that school in the Netflix documentary, Last Chance You. Normally, they will cover football, but in this season, they moved on to junior college basketball. Coach, I am honored to have you on the show. How have you been able to handle this, all of this worldwide attention? Trying to handle it, man. It's, it's, uh, man, I'm on with a lot of people just trying to continue to share the message. Let them know the message was authentic and, uh, you know, anybody I can reach out and, and, and share the message with, man, that, you know, we've got to help these young men's lives and try to help them move forward. Uh, that was the intentions and I think that's what came across. And so I think we've been getting the outpouring of people that, with encouragement and saying that we've inspired them. So, uh, I didn't think so. I was like, man, I thought we were going to be boring, but hey, it, it worked out. Yeah, it, it really did work out a lot, man. It, it was a really good documentary, man. So how did this come up, this opportunity come about, you know, with Last Chance University? Um, did you really like jump after it? Was you hesitant? Was you hesitant? Take us through that process on how, you know, this partnership with Netflix came to be. Yeah. So I think it, it was just a cold call. They reached out to me. And I kind of heard of it and I was like, yeah, let me call back. I usually return calls anyway. I don't care what it is. But initially I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that, man. I don't, I don't need cameras follow. I don't need to do a documentary. That sounds like extra work. You know, like it sounds like it's too much to be doing, trying to win games and get kids scholarships. So I, I, I talked about athletic director and told him, he said, Hey man, because he's a football coach. He said, Hey, yeah, you should do it, man. Go ahead. Yeah. It'd be great. It'd be great for the school and all that. And, and, uh, and I'm like, once I committed, he was like, oh, man, I wouldn't have never done that, you know. <laughs> but it really happened when my uh, I was in Dallas. We had took a couple of our guys to a showcase, yeah. you know, off-season showcase. And a friend of mine, Quincy Brewer, that, play, that coaches at San Bernardino, another junior college, San Bernardino Valley. Mm-hmm. We met up out there. We just standing watching our players play in this showcase. And I'm like, hey, man, this this opportunity came up what do you think it's kind of a secret I don't want to tell anybody and he kind of believes the same thing I believe had the same convictions as me he said dude you got to do it man you got to show how we you helping these young brothers and how you you know you mentoring and doing all that I'm like yeah but I don't know I don't know if I want all that and then after that conversation he was the first one to like really push and encourage me I walk out the gym and I really I said man let me call my pastor man yeah call my pastor and I'm thinking like there's no way he's gonna say do it you know what we do how we help others and, you know, how we minister uh, should be kind of behind closed doors and God will op- he'll reward us openly. Right. I'm thinking like, yeah, let me just be humble about my approach and let me just minister to guys and just keep it in house. And now nah, we don't, I'm thinking he's going to say, nah, we don't need to do all that, man. You know, Lord behold, man, we get out there and, and, uh, and he says, no, nah, you think you should do it. And he said, you know what? God called you, you predestined. And I said, but how about if I do something to get fired or say something, the wrong thing? He said, nah, if God closes the door there, he'll open up another one. So I saw it at that. And I saw it was, it was, it was important to make sure that I continue to keep at least be authentic in who I was. And it, that showed through. And, and I think that, that, uh, that's what made part of the success of the, of the, of the show. That's that's what's up, man. And before we really get into this interview, because I got I got I got so many questions to ask you, man. Um, I gotta say, man, I love seeing you teaching that spin class, and I thought that was really <laughs> cool. So, like, why why spinning? <laughs> well, you know what? You, you get 
whatever your assignment is. So I'm a full-time instructor now. So that's how I make a living now. So before I was just a stipend coach and I, I earned my way. So I know I mentioned I was a stipend coach, but I earned my way up and I got a teaching position there. So you're given a load to teach and I got to teach a full load. I'm talking about weight training, spinning, health class. Uh, you know, I'm a fitness, you know, and uh, health, I'm a kinesiology instructor. So that can range from teaching health, you know, uh, whatever. Any, any class that falls under kinesiology and that was just my load. And I actually had gotcha. two spinning classes, which means I had to do four days a week sometimes. So I would get off the spin bike and go to straight to straight to practice. But I miss it now, man. Shoot. Cause I've gained a little weight. <laughs> <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I think, I think a, a lot of us did. Some people be like, Oh yeah, I've been working out during this quarantine. Like, no, no, you haven't. You've been having a lot of fun. It's all right yeah. though. It's, it's okay. Um, so when you, when you're in your spin class, like what's, what's in your playlist? Oh, everything. I think, let me tell you something. The music is what makes the spin, bro. Yeah. Everything you can name is in there. I even got one of my favorites is, is my, one of my favorite spin uh, sessions is oldies. It's like Motown, Motown oldies. And uh, let me see if I can pull it. But you got like Marvin Gaye, you know, I got to give it up. You got uh, Curtis Mayfield, move on up. So, so move on up, you know, and then <laughs> <laughs> we doing our jumps. Yeah, man. Hey, I'm telling you, y'all don't want to mess with, with the spin class playlist. And then you got, you know, because you could go to <coughs> the fitness clubs and then they got, you know, you got a general fitness club spin uh, playlist. And I have those, too. So I can <coughs> I can be the corny fitness club playlist. You know, I got a Latin mix, man, where, you know, because we're at East L.A. College. So, you know, we got the it's a Latin population yeah. and community. So everybody in there, man, I got that list, the oldies. And then I got the hip hop and then I know how to throw in the R&B on the slow music, like on the slow, we climbing up hills and I got some R&B going. So, you know, uh, I got some of everything, man. <laughs> That's dope. Hey, you got to do an Instagram live one. There's a bike in my apartment complex where I can hop on. I'll do it with you. You got to do a live you when you come back. <laughs> and there's people been tweeting and asking uh, Peloton to get me on and do a, a spin session on Peloton. So, I mean, so I mean, we'll you, see the intensity you bring to it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah, I think that you will be good too. But that's actually whoever um, made that um, yeah, you know, happen. I think I think it should. Yeah, we're gonna have. Well, to again, again, it was my it was my athletic director who <laughs> he, he said, "Man, I'm a I'm a tweet it out and, and tell Peloton <laughs> and everybody to follow to follow up and try to get you to do a spin class." I was like, "Man, come on, man, those <laughs> dudes are the real deal on there," you know? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. So you you was a hooper in your own right. You know, you played for the school that you coached for. Mm -hmm. You know, you also went to a four-year school and then you played overseas as well. So take us through your basketball journey. I want to know, like, um, your basketball journey. Well, I think I, if I don't mention that, you know, I'm I'm like a hood baby, man. I grew up in South Central. So there's a level of toughness that I learned. Um, you know, sometimes we're in the hood. We don't get all of the, you know, we, we get some and, you know, but there's a level of, of hood that comes out more than, and a level of hooper that comes out more than all of the technique and the fundamentals that we need. So that's first and foremost, where the core, the foundation, kind of the underdog mentality, we trying to get out of the hood. And, you know, I was a really good player everywhere. I went, I was a good player. I wasn't, you know, I'm not, I wasn't the all-star, the elite and all that, but I was a good player. I was relevant. 
the reason why I was relevant is because I had an a underdog mentality. So yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say I was, you know, all everything every year. No, but I was on the court all the yeah. time and I had an underdog mentality and I got to college uh, and I thought I was all that. And then I got put in check. And then, you know, once I learned how I needed to play, then I got back on the court. But so that's that's first and foremost. I'm from the hood and went to Washington High School in the city. Back then in the city, man, that's mid. You know, we drifted out of the city and now everybody goes to just like and this all over the country. Everybody goes to these Catholic schools and private schools. Now, that's kind of where we've, we've drifted out of walking down the street and going to your high school that you grew up down the street from. Mm-hmm. Now we kind of travel and we play for school. Heck, we'll go out of state and transfer and play for another school just to get, you know, some likes or Insta- Instagram people to follow you. Uh, so that's definitely um, uh, what's happening now. But I grew up in the city where it was just city, rivalries, hood, basketball. And then, uh, you know, I moved on, had some four-year opportunities, but I didn't do well academically and I had to go to a junior college. So I come here, I do well, I'm, I'm graduating, I'm playing in the Magic Johnson era. So that's why I led in assists. I was a magic guy. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm throwing, I'm at, you know, it's all about assist and it's all about that. Yeah. Magic Johnson era led in the st- assist, still struggled academically. I had some, at the time, smaller division ones like uh, San Jose state, uh, San Diego state. I remember going on visits and trips there. And then, uh, and then after that, uh, I didn't finish some summer classes and it was just NAI calling me. I'm like, man, I'm not going to know NAI, man. I'm, I'm an NBA player. I'm John Mosley. Don't they know who I am? Well, it was my only opportunity. And so then all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, I'll do something like Scottie Pippen. I'll go there and go to the NBA, you know, because everybody that's playing ball right now is going to the NBA, right? Every high school kid, everybody's going to the NBA. So I was no different. I was going to the NBA. I don't care what you're telling me. So I said, I'm going to go to this NAI. But you know what? That place changed my life. I was under a Hall of Fame coach who had, who John Wooden was his mentor. And uh, he met with John Wooden like weekly for breakfasts. And I was like, man, let me go. I was trying to go, but I really can only get to maybe once every year. So I went, maybe had breakfast with Wooden like two or three times in, in, in the time that I coached there. But I was under my mentor after I played at my college mm. and we had a good team. So not only did I learn how to win as a player, like at a high level, but I was under a Hall of Fame coach um, and I learned the game of basketball legit. You know, we had six guys to go play pro. Um, and one of them is coaching with the Lakers now, as a matter of fact. And did he play with, with your brother? I don't know. Well, he may have, but no, 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 no. He didn't play with him. But anyway, he's coaching with the Lakers, Mike, Mike Pemberthy. Oh, Mike uh, Pemberthy? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mike Pemberthy. We played at the, the Masters College together, the university. So we played together. He played there. Um, I went and did a mission trip in Brazil. And the, the goal was to try to to try to make a to try to make a professional team. And it comes out, comes, comes back that I ended up going there on a missions trip. The purpose was to try to, to go and, and, and get a, I said, man, I'm just going on this, this missions trip so I can try to get a pro contract, but I ended up going over there and and it changed my life because I got isolated and I had to really spend time with the Lord and it really changed my life and changed where my heart needs to be. And then uh, after college, which where we learned, the, where I really learned the game and we learned how to win. We were in the lead eight and the sweet 16 and final four is the year I was there. Uh, I go to Brazil. And then after Brazil, I go, my buddy calls me. He actually played at Arizona state. We played together at East LA college, Isaac Burton. 
Okay. So we play together. He goes to Arizona State. The years, uh, forgot which years he was there, like 96, something like that. And then he, you know, he has a, some spot play in the NBA, but he plays over in Australia. He says, man, none of the homies, none of the homies got a passport. I said, I got one. So he flies me over there. And then I end up playing for like the CBA teams and the state league. So I wasn't on the top, top teams, but I was over there just running around playing a little bit. Uh, and he was in the sit with the Sydney Kings and I was like the Sydney comments and the Sutherland sharks over there. So I was over there playing. And, uh, so we, we over there and we, we do that. And then as I come back, my college coach says, Hey, uh, you still got one class to finish. And I was like, yeah, but I'm gonna go back to Australia. And he was like, just come finish in one class, come sit on the bench with me. So I sit on a bench with him at the master's college. It's called the master's university now. And then all of a sudden I learned the game from, from that side. I learned the game from the coaching side and I'm like, so all the stuff he was doing, I kind of love to see why he did it. And I kind of, it, it was attractive to me. And uh, I, I developed a passion for uh, man. That's, that's, that's awesome to, to see how uh, we can go from point o, point A to point B and see the logic behind why he did those things. And then that's when I said, you know what? I saw that I was pretty good and that I had purpose in it. And I, you know, I, I can recruit. And I was like, oh, I can really recruit. And so as I finished the class, you know, once you bring in a couple of players, then the coach is like, oh, let me hire him. So then he hired me. And then here I am with, with at my alma mater, the NAI school. And we were, we won and we done had success, went to national tournaments. And, uh, and yeah. And so I, you know, from there, uh, I started coaching the career and then got hired and got married. But, but yeah, that, that's kind of really the journey. And, and then went from there, went to uh, Division One program, Cal State Bakersfield. And what I learned was uh, Division One transition. And so we're in that mode. And uh, the thing that changed everything, I think uh, I, I wanted to really be a family guy and I was about family. I'm traveling. I'm the recruiting court. When you're the recruiting coordinator, you travel more than anybody else yeah. at the university level. Okay. So the coaches that are on floor coaches, generally they go, they coach on the floor, they go to practice and then they go home. They travel, they go maybe out of state, and then they come home, and then, you know, that's it. Yeah. But as a recruiting coordinator, you not only travel with them to go to games, you go to the practices, but then after practice, you leave and go recruit. You yeah. travel, be before you go to the game, you travel to that place, you do recruiting, and then you uh, you play the game, and then after the game, you, you stick around that area, and you do more recruiting, and then you maybe have a chance to come home. So I'm gone. My daughter, I walked through the door with bags, you know, and she said, Daddy, you're staying at our house tonight. And I just, it broke my heart and my kids were too young. You know, my <laughs> son's my oldest. I was able to watch his game just last night, you know, so, yeah. uh, and they're small. And so I saw community college when the doors opened, the opportunity opened. It was a part-time community college gig. And I was like, you know what, I'll take it. I've never been a head coach. Let me be a head coach. And everybody's like, you crazy, dude. That's suicide. Why are you taking a, it's like a suicide mission for you to be at a division one, you working up and then you just go take a job for a stipend with a program that's really didn't have the success that we, we have it now. And I took it and threw all the passion in there. And, and this is where we're at right now, you know, just, you know, just the approach that, that, you know, where you're at is that's just the big time, make it the big time where you're at. Yeah, exactly. That, and that's the, that's a dope story. That's a, that's a dope odyssey. So, um, so yeah, you being a former junior college player, like how how do you approach you know preparing for a season, knowing the potential obstacles you would have to go through 
you know, coaching junior college, you know, um, as you, you know, you being a player, a lot of different personalities, you know what I mean? You, you probably, you was one of them and now you're coaching a bunch of them. So how, you know, you use that experience as a player to, um, you know, bring it to the coaching um, level. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing is you got to build relationships hmm. and you have to know what these young men are going through because everybody's there for a reason. Like, especially when you get high level guys like Joe Hampton and KJ Allen, the guys that were in the, in, you know, that were, they featured a little bit more. Yeah. Like, what are they doing at East LA College? Why aren't they in the Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12? Why aren't they at those places? Well, there's something. And so knowing that story and knowing why they maybe came up short in those moments is important and knowing how to bring them out of that. So immediately we stereotype them when they walk through the door or we write them off when they have an attitude or, and without learning what's really going on in their lives. Why are they angry? Why do they have these issues? Well, why don't you do your research inst instead of writing these young men off? And I think everybody's not called to do it. You know what I'm saying? But I think that's what I've learned what works best is making sure we build that relationship and we know we know what's really going on in their lives so we can best handle them. So that when when they come in, they, they have this response that we don't agree with, right? Uh, why would they sabotage basketball? Like they love it. Why would they come and sabotage basketball when that's the only thing that they, they really love, right? Yeah. Well, it's because they're trying to get attention for something that's going on because that's their platform. And that's the only way they can cry out and let somebody know that something's going on. And so, um, or they have an issue. Now there are cases when, you, you know, there are some that are being a distraction or any of that for the wrong reasons. But, um, but for the most part, man, a lot of those people are, are uh, a lot of these young men, they have something going on and we just got to find out and, and, and just have the compassion to, to help them, allow them sometimes to act out. But then now I got to pull them aside and say, look, okay, look, you're not going to be able to respond like this in 10 years when you're sitting across from that, that CEO or the corporate level job, or, or you're not going to be able to respond this way next year when you go to the division one level, when it's a business, it's more of a business. Like they're not, they're not messing around with that response because their jobs are based on, you know, winning and losing and exactly. they can't win with that response. Now with me, you know, I want to win and we're going to win, but my job doesn't depend on winning and losing. You know, I get paid to teach classes. So if they fire me from coaching then they just take the little stipend away, but at the university level, that's not going to be tolerated because livelihoods depend on the response of the players. Yeah, and that's that's an actual fact, man. That's that's actual facts. Um, and like you, I'm a product of the junior college system myself. I played my junior college basketball in Las Vegas in New York City. I actually played with um, you was on my friends, my actual former teammate, uh, Andrew Salop, Combos Court. You was actually on his podcast. We actually played yeah. junior college together and stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so we know that there's no real spotlight on the junior college system on a national scale. So how does that make you feel personally to be a part of, you know, last chance you being in the spotlight as the first basketball school representing junior colleges and also the first black man on, on this platform? Yeah, there was a lot to represent. And I think the most important thing was to be authentic, but I was kind of honored and it's kind of surreal to say like, man, uh, you know, they chose me the fourth coach out of, you know, there's thousands and thousands of coaches that they could have chosen. And to choose me, I felt the level of responsibility to be number one, authentic, but to, to, to have a clear message of, of, and a display of what's really going on, you know, 
And so I wanted to make sure I did that. I wanted to make sure I kind of got out of the way, you know, that I wasn't uh, trying to self-promote. And I've never been a self-promoter. Like I, I had to get social media. Like my kids made me hop on and do Instagram and all that. And it's just like, it's like irritating, you know, to do and kind of follow up with it. But I was never a self-promoter. And uh, so, you know, I just wanted to make sure that I got out of the way. And I'm grateful that we get the opportunity for them to see. Because in high school, guess what? We celebrate the kids. We have the families. We got club ball that really celebrates them, right? And yeah. then at the universities, we have television. We have, uh, you know, athletics is marketing for the campuses. So they use athletics and they put them on, uh, they put them on, on that platform. You know, they put them as the face of the campuses. Most uh, campuses use athletics as the face. So they're out there. They are supported. The high school kids are supported because you got parents pushing and supporting. And then you have administrations that are trying to get kids transferred out. Nobody's talking about the junior college. Nobody's talking about community college. Exactly. And so we're so glad that Netflix and, uh, you know, Last Chance You, they put together um, these wonderful stories about what these young men are going through. Okay. It's not glamorous. And I, I think that's why we're not celebrated or why we're not talked about because it's not glamorous. Mm -hmm. It's actually a grind journey. It's a grind. Yeah. It's a grind. But for them to capture that, it, it, it brings some real life um, to the community college challenges. You know, uh, these guys behind closed doors are doing some 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 hard nosed stuff. And then uh, once they get to that level, now they're celebrated there at the four year level. They're playing on TV. They're playing on whatever channel, uh, you know, and now they get to reap those. But the guys that they, they're in the church and some guys don't even make it out, man. Yeah. Some guys don't make it out. Yeah, exactly. Um, you got to be extremely lucky and um, blessed to to actually make it out of, you know, junior college, especially, you know, the junior college you coach at um, that level, because, you know, California is different from the NJCAA. So can you um, can you describe that to the listeners on the difference between NJCAA and the California junior college systems? Yeah. So the NJCAA, depending on the school, can be fully funded in regards to uh, scholarships uh, dorms, meal plans. Um, so it can be funded, but in California, that's not the case. And, and in, in the NJCAA, the body is, I think every state, except for every state in, 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 in the country, except for, I think Washington and Oregon, they have their own in, uh, in WAC, but they actually have scholarships as well. California is the only junior college, um, that by rule. So, by rule, the other junior colleges can, maybe they don't have as many scholarships or they don't have scholarships at all, but they can have scholarships. California, you cannot have scholarships by rule. So basically it's for uh, the scholarships or for, or, or the, 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 the philosophy of the community colleges for the community. So the kids, um, if you're a state um, resident, then in most cases, you know what I'm saying? The tuition is reduced amount. So it wouldn't be as a university amount. It's a reduced amount if you are, you know, if you're a state resident. Um, but there's no scholarships. There's no meal plan. So that means you got to go home. If, you, if you're hungry, uh, if you're more of an adult, if you're out of the house, you got to find your own place to live. You got to find your, your way to eat. You got to Now you get, you can get financial aid and use that to supplement, but I mean, still, that's a grind. What is Pell Grant? You know, a couple thousand bucks and you got to figure out how to manage food, 
place to stay. So a lot of the guys, they come from home and they're driving from home or they're catching a bus or train from home. So uh, that's those are challenges in itself. That's an added, that to me, that's the, the, the toughest challenge is am I going to get everybody here every day? What's going to happen between today and tomorrow and those guys getting here? You know, the nicest guy, the nicest kid who comes from the greatest family, the most responsible kid can have an issue because his car may break down or something can happen for him to get there. The nicest kid is usually going to be going to have a perfect track record if he's on campus because he's right across the street from the gym, just walk across. But even the most perfect kid is going to have something's going to happen to derail or distract what's really going on in California Community College because there's so many other variables outside of when they walk on campus. When they walk on campus, it brings challenges as itself, but they got to deal with a whole nother world when they walk off campus. And that's not the case at the junior colleges that offer scholarships and dorms. Um, yeah, when you're living in dorms, there's things to deal with it, but you can monitor it. When they leave after practice, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. And who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I know that's 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 got to be tough because it's funny because y'all really good school going 29 and one, you know, before the pandemic hit and, and and no real funding and knowing that I play I played against California schools when I was in Las Vegas. We played against uh, Oxnard, Riverside and Allen Hancock, you know, um, so the, them, them, them teams was was really good. You know, what I mean, and I think that if they would have played on a national scale on a national team is it would have been different. Like, you know, what I mean, so. They, I always thought that they should have like a real uh, national championship, the national na- national championship of, you know, NJCAA against the, you know, champion California, uh, state, yeah. Yeah, the state championship, California, one game for, for, you know, I mean, for the, for the real yeah. national championship. That's what I always thought, you yeah. know, but now that this documentary is out and everybody's seen y'all struggles with the funding, like has the basketball program or the school, you know, has been getting any um, outside donations, any help like that on that part? Yeah. There's some people that have reached out and wanted to support and, you know, we've got stuff like like on my uh, social media pages, there's like uh, a link tree that links to donating for our young men. Um, anything larger, you know, that could be directed to myself or the athletic department and we make sure it goes to the proper. There are some people that have donate, donated, a, 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 you know, a large portion, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just been tough. It's a California state run, run program. Being a community college, they, you know, there's really not much investment into the athletics. So it has to be the coach in the athletic department that says, no, we're going to make this the big time. And so, uh, you know, as you, you look around, we got tape on the walls and different things. You know, we, we were in uniforms. Uh, I think a lot of people we were in camouflage uniforms. Right. So I'm not a flashy guy. So we got those uniforms for like Veterans Day. We wear them one time a year. Mm. The reason why we wore them through the whole show is because those are the only ones that fit. We hadn't had uniforms in five or six years. Wow. So the other ones, the picture that you see that they use for the last chance you promo, mm-hmm. those are white uniforms. You can see how big and baggy they are and they're dingy. Mm-hmm. The player said, coach, we don't want to wear these anymore. And I said, yeah, you're right. And so that's why we wore the camouflage ones. I think Nike sent us some stuff, just some like, we were playing in practice gear, Nike practice gear for the away games. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When you look at the green, that's practice gear. That's reversible jerseys, you know? Wow. And then, the, the, the camouflage jerseys we wore at home and the officials initially told us we couldn't wear them because the, the color variation was off. But for the show, we just, we just like, we just gonna wear them. If we got to get a tech, we'll get a tech. And we wore them through the whole show because our uniforms were 
they were so bad. The the, yeah. the traditional green and whites were so bad. And it's like, dude, we're on TV. And and we asked before. We said, hey, we're going to be on this show. Is it any way we got? No, we don't have it. So um, now since then, of course, you know, our campus, you know, we got a pair of uniforms, but it's too late now. You know, we, you know, we got the uniform. So I'm not going to say they didn't jump in support now, but I think everybody sees the platform. And I think now they understand if they didn't know that, you know, we had an opportunity and we still have an opportunity to, to support these student athletes and see what they're going through and really help them. I think it helped a lot of the community college community to see, you know what, maybe we should support uh, athletics uh, a little bit better. Hmm. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope, man. I'm, I'm glad that everybody's getting behind it and, and supporting it and stuff too. You know what I mean? Now back to you, you know, your coach's style, very intense, man. And, you know, seeing you in action, seeing how your team takes on that attitude as well. You know, you're active, you're in your players' faces. You're not being, um, you know, disrespectful or being in a derogatory way, but the way you coach the intensity, man, like mm-hmm. I, I, I wish that I had a coach like you when I was in college, because like there was times in my junior college days, the mm-hmm. stuff that, I was getting away with, you wouldn't let it happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, you know, who who was your coaching inspiration? Like, where did you get it from? You know what? The, 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 going to um, uh, the Masters University, Bill Olds, and he passed away, man, right when we were filming this. Mm. You know, but he was my mentor, and he was with, uh, like I said, John Wooden, him and were close. Um, so a lot of the the basketball structure stuff. Like I run the high post offense. I'm still a, it's still a big man's game to me. Um, a lot of the principles, um, that we have, you know, defensively and offensively and my 80% of my practice is still like how John Wooden runs his stuff. So, um, it, it comes from probably my, my mentor, you know, and he's gone to pass away and his intensity and the way he saw the game and the urgency in which you play with. Um, I think, that's kind of where I got it from. And then uh, once we get into junior college and now I'm here and I get a new group and I look at these guys in their face and I'm like, didn't you tell me you wanted this? This is what you wanted. This is what it's going to take. This is a level of urgency you got to have. And I'll share all the time, man, this one play right here can be, it could be it. You know, yeah. this one time it could be it. You're, you got to make that play that one time. Well, coach, I just missed that one rebound. Well, that's the one rebound that can take us to the next round of the tournament, which where you can be in front of the coach that you want to be in front of. And there you go. You know, so every having a sense of urgency about every detail and and that and I'm passionate about that. And however, I got to get that point across, you know, and I don't swear or anything, but I'm like, however, I got to get that point across. I'm gonna let you know until you like see it. Like, do you see how you don't look right? Not following through like. You know, we just try to make it make sense for them to see, like, you're wrong and you need to do it right, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's just, I don't know, there's just a fire. There's there's not a technique or nothing. It's just something, when I see a young man that wants something so bad and then they're not doing what it takes to do it, I just have a problem with it and I got to let them know, stop complaining, get it done, you know. Um, that's what that's what really uh, resonates with me and, and kind of forces me to, to just get intense. And, you know, I got this underdog mentality, man. And I, I carry all these guys with me with this underdog mentality and, and, you know, never feel like I got a fair share. So I want them to feel the same way and you attack and you kind of demoralize anybody that's in front of you from a lot, from a lot, not allowing you to get 
You know what I'm saying? What you came to get. And that's what I'm telling them. You got to get what you came to get, man. And people are trying to deny you. You know what I'm saying? And here's the, here's the sad part. What's the sad, but it's the truth. You can actually do everything you're supposed to do. And guess what? It still might not work out. Yeah, that's so, true. So why would you do anything less? It gives you a greater percentage. So you can do everything and then it might not work out anyway. So why would you go half the time? And then now your percentages is only, it, it shrinks even more. Yeah. So go with hundred percent of the time to get it done. And then that gives you a greater chance to have success. It doesn't guarantee. So that's the scary part. I tell them like, just cause you come in here six days a week, doesn't mean you're going to get a scholarship. You know, it just helps your chances to get a scholarship. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny, man. Because I remember when, when I was in junior college, um, Jerry, the late Jerry Tarkanian, his his son coached me in junior college, you know, mm -hmm. and I always wanted him, you know, to have that same that same type of intensity and everything. Cause you know, a coach um Tarkanian from UNLV, he came to the practices, you know, and he was intense. And I'm like, I, I need that coach. I need, I needed that. And like mm -hmm. when I when I see how you coach and how you get your players up, I felt like you know, I probably would have been a great player for you. Like in junior, mm -hmm. I was pretty good in junior college though. Like I averaged about, yeah. I want to say 16 and nine in junior yeah. college, shot like 60%. I was actually good, but they couldn't really tap in to, you know what I mean, to motivate me. I had to vote motivate myself. Yeah. You know, I could just imagine like me and you having private talks, right? And I'm just telling yeah. you about like, I felt overlooked because I got this, this, this mm -hmm. um, shadow of my brother and I'm trying yeah. to fight that. Like you would have, you would have tapped into that and, and made yeah. it, and made it even, made it even crazier, man. You know what I'm saying? So it was, it was really awesome, man. Just, just seeing how you interact and everything. You literally bouncing off the walls. I seen it. Yeah. <laughs> like well, I, I loved every minute of it. <laughs> well, before they did the filming or even came the conversation that me and Joe Hampton had, yeah. if you would have heard that conversation and then they put it and connected with how he's doing right now, it would have been the most American feel, feel good story because he was down. He had come off and he mentioned it. So I don't mind mentioning it. He has some legal issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think, you know, like, your, you know, your brother, you one of the top players in the country and everybody's assuming you're going to be this great, you, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, it just falls apart. Yeah. He blows out one knee. He blows out another knee. He's at high major. Now he's at the junior. Like he doesn't know how to respond. So all of these, you know, you have the top school in the country at Oak Hill. Yeah. And then he comes here. So the conversation I have with him is like, look, bro, we ain't everybody doubting you. And I've, I've talked to some people who said, yeah, coach, I don't know if you want to mess with him. Joe Hampton's damaged goods. Well, I said, well, he ain't did nothing to me. He came and asked me for help. So yeah. we'll see. Once he crossed me, then I may say, look, bro, you got to go because I don't tolerate that. But he never crossed me. He came and he said what he wanted. And I said, all right, this is what it's going to take. And I was okay with the response. Like people get upset. I teach you how to respond the right way, mm -hmm. but I have a problem if you quit. So Joe never, Joe never, he said he was going to quit, but I have a problem if you quit on the court. You can say you're going to quit. I don't care about all that. Man, you can roll your eyes. Like, man, that's how I grew up. I was in the hood. Everybody rolled their eyes in the hood. Everybody talked talk crap to each other in the hood. I don't care. Go ahead and talk crap. But yeah. basketball, like I talked about, it reveals who you are. When Joe was on the court, it revealed how unselfish he was. He was yeah. phenomenal. He was a great player, a great teammate. That's why I didn't get rid of him as well, because everybody loved him. They loved how he played yeah. and how he made everybody else better. Yeah. 
So regardless of you seeing him slam chairs in response, he was a good player. To me, that's who he really was. He yeah. just didn't know how to handle off the court, how to be. And that's easy. I can fix that. You know, I can help him fix that to say, look, if you want basketball to take you, then you got to respond better because basketball is not a question. That's not a question. You know, and if you would have heard the conversation, he was so down. He didn't think it could happen. And I was just trying to infuse this as positive message. It's going to happen. We're going to help you get you out of this legal situation. Like he mentioned, I wrote a letter to the judge. We got an agreement about, you know, him completing. And if he completed some of the positive things that were going to happen, and it did, now he got to, you know, he's playing. And, I mean, it's just amazing. And the conversation we had, I had to, I had to really get him to, to do it. You know, I had to really get him to do it because he was like, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, and we talked about his life changing and it did. That's that's dope. And I definitely got more questions about, um, you know, Joe Hampton further down real quick. Um, But I want to know about, you know, was y'all recognized for y'all season? You know, y'all finished 29 and one. Y'all was one of the top, I would say the top team in the state of California. Have y'all, did y'all get any recognition, even though y'all couldn't compete for the state championship? No, we didn't get any recognition. And I know some high schools, like my son, he was going to the state championship and their coach just, they said, forget it. We buying rings. But for us, you know, it was, a, it was the state championships and nothing else. You know, we finished in the, in the polls, we finished number two in the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Francisco was number one and they were 30 and oh. So everybody was hoping there was a collision, you know, not to look past any of those other teams that were good, that were going to be in the, in the tournament, you know, that elite eight tournament. But yeah, man, it was it was something that uh, we were looking forward to and never got a chance to complete. And what's crazy is I thought this was my one of my best teams to do it, not because of the talent, but because those guys got along. They loved each other. And so, yeah, I really thought we were going to get through it and Mm -hmm. win it. But yeah, no recognition. Wow. That's crazy. man. Just COVID. Yeah, I know. You can see you can see the love from 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 your team and stuff. So what, what are you looking for it, you know, for this upcoming season as you know you prepare to get back into the grind of recruiting, beginning a new chapter with the new team, if y'all clear for the you know 20, 2021-22 season? Yeah, just a, some normalcy, man. Uh that's all. I want to get back to that same rhythm. You know, I think this created a challenge for me because it started to become a, a decent little flow. You know, I got this decent flow going where the kids are coming, players are coming. Like all the players that we recruited, none of them came because they thought we were going to be on Netflix. You know, they were all recruited because just recruited myself, Coach Hunter, who's our lead recruiter. He's a great recruiter. So, you know, all of those guys were recruited for those reasons. So, um, you know, and it was our best team. So all of the efforts that we made, all of the recruiting efforts, all of the uh, the, the efforts we made during the year it, it, and to be 29 and one and be the best team, it, it had nothing to do with the filming. It had nothing to do with Netflix. Yeah. I think if they weren't there, that would have been the same thing. The same thing would have happened. No. And uh, to not be able to finish it off, it was disappointing, you know? Yeah. So hold on. Who did y'all lose to? Man, we lost to a team, Copper Mountain. It was made a couple games in mm. and they were, and Copper Mountain, they dropped off a little bit because they got a couple guys injured. So mm-hmm. people look at their record like, how did they beat y'all? I was like, man, them dudes have some grown men. That's one thing about California, too. You get in California, you can get some guys that's 23, 24, and you playing against some grown men. You're playing against some adults, you know. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's – it's uh, and it was a learning game. It was great. Every piece of adversity could happen, could have happened. 
we have we had about five or six guys that played a forward position, and Malik Muhammad fouled out. KJ was in foul trouble. Joe Hampton fouled out. Uh, so all of our forwards fouled out. It was you know you got the referee situation, all that. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But hats off to them. They were a good team and they beat us. You know we played them again and we beat them uh, yeah. the second time around. Uh, but they beat us. It was in a close game. So yeah. Copper Mountain, man. Uh, they beat us there a couple hours away from us and we were in a tournament in San Bernardino. And so they beat us. Yeah. Yeah, That was even before it was so early. It was before they started filming. They came like right a couple weeks after we started playing to really start filming our games, you know? Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, I want to talk about, uh, coach Ken Hunter and the other guys on your, on your coaching staff, you know, the story behind, you know, coach Hunter is really inspirational. It's amazing, mm-hmm. man. Along with coach Robinson as well. Um, how are all of you able to come together, coach these players that have so many backstories, personalities, and be as successful as you all were before this uh, pandemic hit? Yeah, man. Um, so this group, man, for, first of all, it's divine how God brought it together. Uh, and I think, you know, some of the things, the qualities I look for when I tell guys, because a lot of people want to come coach. Hey, coach, can I come coach? Because it's really no money. It's like a stipend. Can I come coach? So what I tell them is I say, hey, come and look and see what we're doing. Come hang around the program before you think you want to come coach. Because really, I don't turn down coaches much. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and the reason why I don't is because it's not much pay. So whoever I can get, I kind of say, yeah. And then I see how they kind of work with the guys. And then I say, yeah, I really want you to be here. Is it possible you can commit to more, even though there's no money? So yeah. when those guys came in, Coach Hunter came in, he was at another junior college, and he was looking to do something else. He said, hey, Coach, would you be interested in me? I said, yeah, man, I love the way you recruit. I mean, he's one of the top recruiters in the country. You know, we had already had some success. We had just come off a state championship uh, game that we lost by three in. Mm. And then he he was wanting to come in even before that he was thinking about coming in. And so I said, heck, yeah, like somebody like you will help us get over the hump. Yeah. And I'll take care of you over here as much as I can. And so he came and he's been here for about five or six years since then. Mm. Um, Coach Rob, I just last summer, I just uh, uh, what well, I say last summer, I keep man, the time is fine with COVID summer 2019 was when I first met Coach Rob. Okay. Literally a couple months before our season is when I met him. So yeah. like, yeah, it's crazy. And when I brought him in, somebody had mentioned him to me, Coach French, who worked for me before. And I was looking for just somebody who I can trust and who was mature enough to handle what we had going on. Because I knew at the time that we were going to do this this show, this, this uh, Netflix. And yeah. to me, it was most important that we had some mature people who understood the moment and who can handle that. Uh, not just guys who's going to come in and look for it to be a stepping stone to move forward or, you know, you really got to have the intentions to want to help people and want to win games and, and to have some loyalty um, and all those guys, man, it, it just, it's just a perfect marriage. If you come in and you don't sense that like coach Rob, you're going to have to fold, you know, clothes that yeah. you're going to have to do laundry. If you don't sense that you're going to have to do that and you don't mind doing that, then, you know, you're not, you're not, it's not going to be a good fit. You're not going to want to be here because you're going to walk into a grind. It's like, I'm going to say, Hey coach, can you help this kid with his paper? Yeah. And then the coaches are like, wait a minute, this ain't coaching basketball. Exactly. This is East LA junior college. 
But guess what? All of our guys graduate. All of our guys move on. In order for that to happen, it takes commitment from Coach Ken, Coach Rob, guys, anybody who's helping to say, hey, man, go pick him up. He can't make it. I mean, who wants to do all that stuff? Yeah, that's true. There's not many people want to do it unless they are true grinders and they they understand the process. They were leaders in their own right. So they know leader being leaders in their own right. They know what needs to be done. And they yeah. know sometimes leadership is not glamorous. And so they do, they do the non-glamorous things. And that's why we work well together because they do the non-glamorous things. And I think that's something that a lot of coaches or people who want to get in coaches, they, they need to kind of take a look at, realize yeah. that it's not glamorous. Yes, it looks great to see one shining moment. Yeah. You, you know, wearing the, the sneaker deal and you on television, you got the suit and you got your arms crossed. You call into plays. But before all that happens, man, it is a major grind, man. And then you add the juke. And that's at the four-year level, too, yeah. at the high school level. But you add juco uh, stuff to it, it makes it a triple grind. Yeah. And, and for guys to – we're trying to figure out how to get – I mean, who wants to worry about how to get 15 guys to school every day? Like, how are they getting here every day? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yes, sir. That's what, that's what it's about. And you got guys like Coach Hunter, Coach Rob. Those guys are smooth. We click. We close to the same age, man. We love the same music, some of everything, you know. So it just works out. And they have like-minded. Their first goal is to help the kids. Yeah. And then second, of course, is to, you know, try to win games and try to get jobs. If your first goal is to come in here and try to move up and get a job, then then it's probably, for me, it's probably not. Now, I want you to have aspirations yeah, so that yeah. that motiv motivates you to do better with recruiting and all that. But yeah. for the most part, man, uh, you got to care. And if you care then about the player and plan about the, the caring about the player first is what matters most. I think that's where the majority of the success of the program comes from because we care about the player first. Yeah, that's that. And, and that's what it is. And I always be telling these coaches, you know, like when you get into this to this um, industry it's really more selfless. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And um, you got to you got to really give a lot of yourself you know what I mean, to help these kids. Because at the end of the day, it is about moving on to these kids. You know what I'm saying? You're going to stay here where you at, but yes. it's about giving a piece of yourself to help these kids move on, get that free education so their moms don't have to pay all these these crazy bills and, every, and everything, exactly. you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and, and, and that's like my philosophy as a, um, you know what I mean, as a basketball mentor, because I mentor a couple kids, you know, myself yeah. and, and everything, man. Um, And speaking of, you know, philosophies man I, I heard that i heard you bring up that winning is essential you know not just winning on the court but waking up is a win making it to school and practice on time is a win as well can you elaborate more on your winning philosophy yeah it's it's you know what man i tell the guys you got to win the day man win the now you got to win right now so we all got something going on like there's things going on in my mind right now you know we're talking on a podcast and I'm at the same time, I'm still thinking about some other things that I got to do in the future, but I got to win the now I got to win this moment. So in my head, I'm winning now I'm winning this conversation. When I go out, when I go to the store, I have to win that battle that when I walk to the store, I go get those two items and I don't start grabbing everything else. <laughs> uh, so it goes with everything in terms of winning. Winning is essential when you're on campus. You know, I tell the guys, OK, you got to go to the bookstore and pick up your books. You don't walk in there and act entitled like I'm on a basketball. Man, you stand in line. You win those moments. You win the instructor. Now, I I know some of the guys get stereotyped. It's nothing wrong with wearing a hoodie. It's nothing wrong with wearing earrings or 
It's nothing wrong with that. If you can get the job done, fine. We saw in Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman got the job done. It didn't matter how he looked. But you got to win you as well. You got to win people. So how do you do that? You got to do the things it takes to win people. So we talk about it. And if you take that philosophy to win everything, win this drill, win all that, I mean, I, I just think it's going to help you in life, in your career. Um, and everybody say winning's not everything. Oh, yeah, we, we're trying to win. If, if we just work hard, winning will take care of itself. No, we're trying to win. Forget that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and we're going to work hard so that you can win. Mm. Um, so I do want to make sure that they know that, yes, we are trying to win. Because winning has value. Guess what? If a university wins, guess what? The boosters are coming. Donations are coming. Guess what? More students want to come to your school if you win. So there is a value on winning. Okay? Um, You you know what I'm saying? That shows who you are. You're a winner. And everybody wants to be associated with a winner. It creates opportunities. So there is a value on winning. Yeah, there's a value on the other stuff, working hard, preparation. Yeah, there are cases where you don't always win, but we want to be competitive in life. That's what life, you know, especially here in the United States, life is competitive, man. And and we just take the mentality. Winning is essential. It's essential that we win uh, at everything we do. And that's that's a dope message, man. Thank you for sharing that. Um, So how important was it to do last chance you? Uh, for you not to only profile yourself, the players and the assistant coaches of the school, but also, you know, talk about your faith and beliefs, you know what I mean, for the people to resonate with. Yeah, well, the most, the, the thing that was most important to me in regards to doing this was how is this going to, because my life, me as a believer, that's really what it's about is to please and glorify God. And that's my purpose here. I'm just fortunate enough that I I could be a basketball coach and do it. You know, that was the biggest concern when I was approached. And I said, nah, I don't know if that's right by, you know, for a believer or Christian that want to be on this platform or whatever. Uh, And I said, you know what, if I do this, I wonder if I'm going to be too offensive to others. And you know what? I think they did a great job and Netflix did a great job of, and last chance you did a phenomenal job of, of, Really not, because sometimes I was over the top, man. I was preaching with scripture, but they did a good job of making sure they displayed who I was and what my values were and what my faith was. But at the same time, it wasn't over the top. It was a perfect uh, seed planting opportunity. Um, But I think the compassion and all the things um, that we saw there that was good, I think it it, it resulted because of my obedience to trying to make sure I serve others. Um, just as as Christ served us and, and trying to be examples, um, positive role models by the way I live out my life. Yeah. And I felt like I've, I've had a mirror or a camera on me before I was even doing this show, you yeah. know, years ago when I when I decided that uh, I wanted to give my life to Christ. I felt like a camera was on me right away because now everybody's looking like, OK, let me see if you really are. You know, let me see if you so. Everybody says, well, do you really, did you just not curse for the cameras? It's like, no, I don't, I don't curse. You know, Uh, I want to be an example. I don't want anybody to say, well, I thought a Christian isn't supposed to do that, you know? And then now it prevents someone else from building a relationship with God, you know, forget religion. It just makes God look bad. And I think that's, that's the toughest part. And I didn't want to make God look bad, you know, to the best way possible. Regardless of whatever, you know, people have problems with religion. You know, I do too. People have problems with doctrine. 
I do too, because everybody's personal is involved in it. And you know what? If you think that you're going to follow a pastor and that you're going, your faith is going to be strengthened, that's not happening. If you think you're going to go to church and your faith is just going to be strengthened, you know, it helps. But what strengthens your faith is your relationship with God, Mm. because he's the one that's perfect. If we're looking as our pastor, our pastor is going to make mistakes. And that's why the world rejects the church. That's why the world rejects God is because we're representations of God. And they say, if that's a representation of God, then I don't want no parts of God. And that's what's happening, uh, in my opinion. Nobody wants any parts of God because there's poor representations. And in, in, in me, sometimes I represent God poorly. And I say, Lord, forgive me. I represented you poorly. And yeah. you didn't weren't represent. So I may have offended somebody. And now they would say, I don't want to have anything to do with God. because of the way he acted and that's what's tough and so that's to me i wanted to make sure that i didn't have a poor representation and gave anybody an opportunity to say i don't want any parts of god instead i want it and i've gotten some feedback that some people said you know what you've helped me strengthen the faith and want to minister more to others so i think and i share that with a lot of people who come with all the excuses well i'm not giving to the church because the church steals your money yeah probably so yeah all these things happen that you're saying, you're right. Well, the preachers don't live right. You're absolutely right. Some of them don't. Uh, all of the things that they say, you're right. But what does that have to do with who God is? He's a perfect, all-knowing, powerful. He's that. That's who he is. What does that have to do with God? Because a pastor wants to maybe sleep with one of the members of the congregation, you know, because the pastor is stealing all the money. Yeah, that's a poor representation of God. But he's not God. And that's the problem, man. Yeah. Preach, man. Thank you for that, because, man, thank you. I, I I needed to hear that. And um, when you when it was a scene in the movie too. I mean, in the documentary, um, like it made me emotional when you was preaching. You, know, you was praying, mm-hmm. and then it looked like you stopped. Then the players were saying something, and then you came back screaming about it, man. Like that mm-hmm. one, that part right there. I think that was in the weight room or something like that. And that that one yeah. that resonated mm-hmm. with me heavy man because i was like sometimes like when you when you talk i'm not the most religious person and i and i and i need to be but i like this like people coming to you saying that it helps strengthen it um their 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 bond like that those moments hearing you you know when you was talking about you know you know the lord and everything like that like i I was like mesmerized just like really like just hanging on to those words more than like a lot of things going on in the in the entire documentary so like i want to say thank you you know what I'm saying for for being your authentic self, and um you know and and bringing that, you know you know bringing the um the Christianity to to a, a you know more national stage and stuff. You know more more young black kids need to you know see you know black men like yourself, you know, in tune with with um you know being yeah. faithful and stuff like that. Yeah, man, it was really dope. Like everything that you did, like your relationship with your wife and stuff, and salute to your wife. Much respect and love to your wife for you know standing you know beside yeah. you. You know. Even you know you're doing this, you got the stipend thing. Like, where's the money coming yeah. from and everything? Like, your wife is she? She's she really real, dope. yeah. She the yeah. real OG. She the real yeah. OG. She from, she from the hood too. So we we both come out of the hood. You know, she got her degree. She a teacher, and you know we in it together. And and we just trying to pass it on to our kids. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, Joe Hampton and Deshaun Hyler, along with KJ Allen and Malik Muhammad, were arguably the most talked about players on the show. And, you know, to me, the driving forces of, of your team. So tell me 
how it was to coach them knowing their backgrounds and what they went prior, you know, to committing to um, the program? Yeah, well, everybody's, everybody's different. All of them are different. We know the reason why they're there and they, they, they kind of dropped off is for certain reasons. So I know why Deshaun is, is at uh, East LA college. Like he left UTEP and he decides to come because his mom has stage four cancer. And so he moved closer to home. So knowing all of these, I think the biggest thing is knowing what, what's, what they're all about to the core It's even building a relationship with family to man. I don't even know about, I don't even know if I'm great X's and O's, but I think the biggest thing is to really uh, find out what's going on, how you, how they, how they best learn, what's going to get them to respond or have the right response mm-hmm. is, is, uh, you know, and, and being able to find a carrot, you know, you got to find a carrot for each one of them. So what is Joe Hampton's carrot? Well, his carrot is, you know, he's got to get out of maybe some legal issues that he had. He's got to graduate. He wants to go back to division one. Joe Hampton had been out of basketball for two years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like his eligibility, his clock was all jacked up. Well, we found some stuff where because of some things that happened and the units that he took him, I said, look, man, I think I can get you back to division one. He said, no, nah, coach, I can't go D1. I probably got to go to an NAI. My clock is all jacked up. I said, I can probably get you one year if you do exactly this. So there was a goal to work towards. And in working towards that goal, he wanted that so bad mm-hmm. that he would have to listen. And he trusted me. Yeah. And yeah. to get him to buy in to what we're doing, um, and get him to believe and to dream that it was going to happen, I think is what's necessary to coach each individual player and those different characters. You know, Malik Muhammad, uh, you know, he, he, you know, I thought Malik Muhammad, he might could have been most talented in terms of size and yeah. physicality, athleticism, block shots and all that. Yeah. But sometimes it was self-sabotage. Yeah. Because if I got too good, then now I may be too good and I'm on this platform. Now I'm held to this standard. So you have some guys who are, they like, they don't want to get too good because now you're going to hold me to this standard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's better if I just kind of stay under the radar. And then that way, all you guys expect me to do is block some shots, come in and show up. The expectation is, well, if I don't come in and show up 30 minutes uh, and get a good sweat in with some individual work uh, and I come in late, then the expectation is, well, I'm still going to stay wrong. And you don't expect me to, to, to get the ball in the post crab down and score because I didn't work on it because I sabotaged myself. So there are some that you have to force and let them know, Hey bro, I read you clearly. You trying to fail. It ain't happening here. You're going to come in and you're going to do the extra work. Guess what? I'm going to hold you to a standard. You're going to get every rebound. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Trying to check out. And then with KJ Allen, the sweetest kid, one of the sweetest, most talented kids I've ever coached. You know, the challenge is, can we prepare you and get you some good habits academically? Because his yeah. issue is academics. Yeah. Because he's going to a high major. Like, he committed to USC. So yeah. you got to have your academics together. You know what I'm saying? The commitment level academically has to be there. So those are the challenges, man, um, that we, you know, that we deal with. Um, and and you got to know each kid and how to challenge them. And so KJ needs help academically. So that's my carrot with KJ, like, you want these tutors? You want help? You want me to call this professor and say, hey, look, can KJ have an op- another opportunity? You know, can he use the resources for the programs on campus that can help someone that may have uh, some, some troubles learning? 
to get him access to those things. So you got to know the right carrot to dangle. You know, Deshaun Hyler. Deshaun probably, he's like, yeah, if I go to the NBA, whatever. If I, you know, guys know Deshaun is big on. So Deshaun is, is, is highly intelligent. He's big on, like, he's doing all these stocks. I think he posted a thing where he's got all these screens where he's trading stocks. He's doing, he's highly intelligent. You know, he's trying to manage some of the stuff his mom left behind. Highly intelligent. Wants to be a business major. So with Deshaun, I motivate him and I get under his skin by saying, okay, this right here, what you're doing or you're not doing, okay, you're you're not going to be that CEO you're talking about, you know? So now I can approach Deshaun that way. I say, Deshaun, here's what a CEO looks like. Let me give you a list of the CEOs at all these companies. But here, here's how you're acting. Here's how you're responding. And so you have to get to a division one to build your brand, Deshaun. And he did. He's at a division one. So now he can build his brand for whatever else he wants to do in life. Not that he's going to go to the NBA, but he can, you know, build his brand for whatever else he wants to do. And so that was the carrot that I dangled in front of him. You know, mm. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool, man. See, you're a good coach. You know how to, you know how to work it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's cool. Um, There was some heated moments with, uh with Joe Hampton, you know, um, he, I, when I watch, I'm like, man, Joe Hampton is Daniel Artest, man. You know, <laughs> having having the same uh, regrets, past mistakes, you know, playing very angry, you know, like like how I did. And, um, you know, we both went over the edge and stuff. But what I liked about your style of coaching is once again, man, like you showed him love, you know, um, even when he was in the wrong, you know, he respected you. He couldn't really control his emotions on the court, but he ne- I don't think he ever really disrespected you. How was that dynamic, you know, coaching someone like Joe, super talented, but who also got in his own way at times? Yeah. And again, it's it's letting sometimes letting them respond and then going back and saying, we can't respond this way if you want to have success. Because a lot of times if you let them respond, sometimes they'll self-examine themselves. Mm. You know, I'll just ignore it sometimes. And I'll let him examine himself and see how he responds. Yeah. But the relationship we have and me and him knowing that we got some individual goals that we have to accomplish. That's yeah. why he never really disrespected me because he know I was really trying to help him. Yeah. And I think if players know that you care about them, you truly care about them, they're going to still respond in a way that they've never been taught, but they're not going to really disrespect you or disrespect the process. Joe never really disrespected the game. He yeah. never disrespected the process. He never disrespected a pattern. Like some guys are disrespect. man, I ain't running this. Give me the ball. So yeah. he, he didn't destroy the team in that regard. That's what people don't realize. He never disrespected it because he trusted me and he had a relationship with me. Joe just had issues with how he responded to adversity. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it wasn't a response to our basketball plays. He trusted. He said, coach, I like it. He didn't respond. He he knows that we were trying to do the right things and in, in defensively. He knows I was trying to get him in shape. So he didn't disrespect me. He knew I really cared and he knew I really cared about him being in shape, not yeah. to win games but so that he can have success. Oh, yeah. So if, if while I'm trying to implement these things in coaching, if they know you care about them, then, then they're less likely to respond in a poor way uh, when knowing that you care, or they won't disrespect the process. They won't disrespect the process. They may res- respond the wrong way, but they really love the tough love. They really like the tough love, but they, but because they've grown up, in the hood and all they do is pout they got to pout but but run the lines you know what i'm saying 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely. it's it's really just it's really just having that relationship would would help change those responses. And 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 I never had. I mentioned the one guy. What's crazy is the one guy that I mentioned that I had his obituary on my on my desk, mm-hmm. and I mentioned Michael Foster. He got shot up, and I keep his obituary. He was a, a player that I recruited in my first year, mm. and I keep it on there. He was one of the most hardcore hood gangsters. He was straight from Watts. He did some of everything. He had been locked up, everything, hardcore. And he got shot up in the car, uh, you know, a few years back. And so I keep his obituary there to remind me how I got to get these guys out. Mm. Michael Foster was one of the most hardcore, one of the most complaining, I don't want to do this, cuz I don't do, do, do. He was one of the most hardcore. I had to try to get it because that kid was a 6'6 point guard. He was like a pro. Mm. But he was just like, I don't do you. I ain't do. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Getting on the line. We running too much. But guess what? He kept running. You kept know what running. I'm saying? <laughs> he kept running. And I, I'll never forget one player got in my face <clears throat> and said, Coach, you a HO. You a hoe. You a BA hoe. Michael Foster said, Girl, you tripping. You don't talk to Coach like that. And then he like knocked the dude out, bro. And I was just like, wow, you know. <laughs> and uh, but because he knew I loved him and respect, and I helped him too with some legal stuff. Yeah, he knew I loved him and I respected him. That he had my back, and I think Joe Hampton's got my back. All these guys got my back. They just still are learning how to respond, you know, like you, like me. Heck, and I see myself. I know I knew the, what the coach was doing was right, but here I go. Here I am. I was like. Still like trying to cuss under my breath. Why? Because we got this facade over us like we too cool or yeah. we better than what we think we are. And I know that. I'm like, man, get out of here, man. Yeah. I know you. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know. I know. I, I was I was wondering, like, when you watch because I know you watched it. And then, like, you know, when they say something to you, you coaching. So you're not even worried about what's going on behind you. Yeah, and like you see this, you you hear everything they saying, and I'm and th- but then you said it never bothered you. Like that's crazy. Yeah. I was I would have been like, oh oh, word, that's how you really feel. Yeah, <laughs> or just in the heat of the moment of the game yeah. and stuff like that, yo. You know, but well, I, I yeah, understand. Sometimes Joe's. I sometimes I address it. Yeah. Sometimes I ignore it, and then a lot of times I don't hear it. You know. Mm. Yeah, I know. I know, Joe. The officiating junior college is horrible. Anyway, oh, it was gosh. like that. It was like that when um when I was playing and, and stuff as well. You know, um with the with the footwork stuff, like you know, just having a brother in the in the, in the NBA. He was with the yeah. Pacers at the time, so I was training with Chuck Person, and mm-hmm. Chuck Person was really good at training him footwork. He really helped me. You know, I me mean, as far as me going playing basketball overseas and stuff. You know, and junior college referees was not used to that so i'm I, i'm actually doing film i'm rewinding this stuff and i'm like that's not a travel referee. that's not it's not He's a travel. like but they just couldn't imagine wait a minute this is this six six i mean this six eight guy that's got some weight on him mm-hmm. and here he is super skilled like no we don't have that in california so that yeah. must have been a travel there's no way he can jab hard and then take a put his shoulder in a guy to create separation and then finish yeah, and that was not a travel. It was so bad. Yeah. The the funny thing when I was going through it, right? So when the referees, when I was on the road, because I was getting like that too as well. When we go on the road and the referees will show up in the gym, and I'm telling them like I'm practicing my moves, <laughs> like you cannot call us a travel, and then they understood. You know, what I mean that I was athletic for my because my plane weight was uh that was six four. I'm well, I'm six five, two hundred and seventy five pounds. My actual in shape, like Zion Williamson, playing weight and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so so like. 
to be like agile as I was and stuff and, and quick off the feet, off the ground and everything. Like they, once they understood like, Hey, all right, this is how he plays. And I wish Joe would have did that. Like, you know, show the referees yeah. like some, some moves or whatever and yeah. they could understand it and, and things. Um, but I want to, um, you know, like to hear your thoughts on, you know, Deshaun Hyler, man, your leader, you know, I, I was a big fan of his leadership, you know, after everything that he went through losing his father and his mom, you know, yeah. like real close to real close time to each other, Um, you know, walking on at UTEP and being bounced back, you know, even through all of that, you know, I I, I love how he he kind of tied it all together, you know, with the team holding himself, holding his teammates responsible for their words and actions and everything. And, um, you know, mentally everything, a lot of things was taking a, taking a toll on him as well. So how yeah. was you able to help him through his own, you know, personal struggles? You know what, on the court and in life, I, I just tried to keep treat him normal because if I, if I, if I pampered him a little too much, it would have seemed like I was giving him welfare. He didn't want welfare. Yeah. You know, he didn't want anybody, you know, he was tough. Like, man, I don't need nobody. I'll need your help. But at the same time, you know, I wanted to be normal. So I, I was tough on him and I was I was uh, just as tough on him as I am with, with anybody else. And even times when I knew, uh, and I wouldn't go too far, but there's times that I knew like, man, uh, I can see where he was breaking down and that's when you would have to approach. And I think that's where a coach has to have a really good feel. You got to know when he's at his breaking point. And Deshaun really hasn't completely grieved. I think, I think this whole Netflix thing is helping him grieve a little bit because he's able to share his story and he's able to get people to see like what he really went through because before nobody knows what, what he was going through. All they did is judged him the way he was like, Oh man, he's a jerk. Like coach Rob said in the show, he said, man, Deshaun is a, is the most likable a-hole that you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he was. And so why is he that way? But now it resonates and now people like him. Uh, and him, just like myself, he's probably he's he's probably kind of torn now because everybody kind of likes him now. And so he's like, man, I need my edge. He's, he's like, where, nah, I, I need to find a way to be the underdog. He's probably yeah. going to find a way to make people not like him again so that he can, uh, you know, so that he can he can be uh, an underdog again so he can act like a punk. But yeah. that's what drives him. And I used to feed into that, you know, so I used to, you know, that's what drives him. So I, I used to feed into that. And kind of make him get going. And I knew that if I treated him any different, uh, that he would lose his edge to be competitive. And he needed to be competitive. He needed to have success on the court so that he can continue the legacy of what his mom wanted him to do, you know? And that was to finish school. And many a times he wanted to give up too. He was like, coach, I just go to school, I do business. You know, I just want to work on money, being a millionaire. Uh, but that dude is doing stocks now. He's in school, he's at the division one. Mm -hmm. He's got all of this stuff going on. I think him and his girl, she's selling hair care products online. Yeah. I mean, he's doing so many things, uh, what he was, what he was kind of meant to do, the type of leadership that he has. Um, uh, and, and just coaching him, man, uh, it, it's tough. It's tough to coach hardheads, you know, yeah. but the hardheads are usually some of your best players. And I know that, and it's tough to coach him. And then sometimes you got to have the freedom, give him the freedom to express himself as well. Because yeah. that's who he is. I yeah. can't, you know, you can't, you can't let him. Once he, once you wake up that 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 sleeping dog, you gotta let him go. You know. Yeah, yeah, I I agree exactly. And um, what I liked about him was he had no back down. He'll talk to anybody the same way. You know what I'm saying? Um, and you need that from your point guards. You know, yeah. you know, in junior college to win, you got you need your you need your guards. 
you know what yes. I'm saying? You know, good, great leaders and everything. So, you know, I mean, it was really refreshing, Um, you know, just seeing him. He just, re- like, the, the team just reminded me of the team that I was on when I was in my school and stuff like that. So it, 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 yeah. it, it was really fun, man. So, um, yeah, what is the most singular thing you, you would take away from your experience, you know, being on this um documentary? You know what? It's just continue to be authentic. You know, I think uh, if they ask me to do another year, man, I don't even know because I don't know how – I'll probably – go home and say, let me look and see how I look there. Now, let me take it back. I was able to be authentic. And uh, I think it's important for everybody to be yourself. Um, don't try to be something that you're not, man. Just just be authentic. And I didn't think it was going to be entertaining by me being myself. Um, but it was. And it resonated with people. And I think it touched a lot of more lives because, uh, you know, I was being real. I was like, you know what? Because, like, my wife was upset. So, like, we have been staying, it was crazy, like stuff like we've been staying in this house for like a couple of years. We're renting. We mm-hmm. got another house that we had, we bought. We was like, let's move back to our house. It's nicer. It's bigger. You know, I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that for the film. This is where we at, you know, or it's just so many things that we, we, you know, we were in church and what's crazy is we announced that, Hey, we may have this Netflix filming. And so the day that we thought it was going to happen, you know, we had a congregation was full, you know, with some old members and stuff. And then, we canceled. And then the next time we announced it, it was kind of our normal group. It was about 30 people in church. So it was authentic. And I think people saw the realness of that. That was it. The truth just came out. Everything that was, it was, it was the truth. So I think being authentic, um, even if there's not a camera on me, I think that that's the most important. Yeah. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. And finally, final question. Did you have a favorite moment from the show that you thought would have made the documentary, but it didn't? Yeah, I got I got two moments. I shared them on several occasions. There's okay. one moment where people to be able to see the relationship that we have and to see, and I know they had to build up the characters, so they may have one-sided one thing or another, but to build up the characters, uh, Joe got into it in one of those games. He was about to get into an altercation. Yeah. We had just come off our retreat. Things were going well. We all playing well. We were playing. I mean, we were running the team pretty good. We were blowing them out. And then the guy just literally hammers him on a on a foul. He turns back and looks. His teammate comes and pushes him. And it's like, he's about to get ready in a fight with Joe. We immediately like, no, like, like, no, because Joe will take off. He'll fire on one of them. And we're like, no, Joe, you come so far. Don't let these dudes, we blowing them out. You, you know, you ain't, you got more to lose than they do. Mm. Like, don't go there. And so we were winning. And by that time, I was like, you know what? Let me take Joe out. We winning. We don't need him in the game. I sit him on the bench and I tell the, the, the security guard. And I, I say, I tell him, I say, look, man, you might want to pack. You got the security guard. They ready to take you out. So we saw that part in the show. But mm-hmm. what we didn't see is everybody from the team got around him. Once we pulled him off the court and we called timeout, I told the official, I got it covered. You know, that's why I called a timeout. And we pulled everybody together. And then we all were saying, look, bro, you don't let nobody do that to you. You Joe Hampton, man. You Joe Hampton, bro. You four or five star. You Joe Hampton. He like, yeah, I'm Joe Hampton. Everybody starts saying it. And I said, look, man, you Joe Hampton. You don't let nobody get you into a spiral where you about to get into a fight. Mm-hmm. They don't have nothing to lose. You got all the game, bro. Don't let. And so they missed that moment. It was kind of a moment where. We were all coming together. We playing well. And we letting them know, man, we got your back, but we can't lose you 
you Joe Hampton, bro. And it was, you could tell in his face, he felt good. So they missed that. Another moment was kind of like, it sums up what we we're about at, at, at East and the coaches are about. We were in San Diego, okay? We we're in San Diego and we're, uh, you know, it's right after Christmas. So right after Christmas, you have, it, it's hard to go back to work right after Christmas. You know, you got Christmas vacation. Yeah. And so a lot of families, we had a tournament in San Diego, which is about 30 minutes from LA. So a lot of the families, they uh, came down because it's like a couple of days after Christmas we playing this tournament. So we played three games in a row. It's a feel-good tournament. You know, it's the one tournament where we can afford to pay to stay in hotels. Yeah. And so we're feeling good. There's two teams in the top 20 in California. So if we win this tournament, our ranking goes up. You know what I'm saying? We get our ranking up and all that. So we win the tournament. We're in the locker room celebrating. Everybody's happy. Family's outside waiting for us. Um, Deshaun is the only one that doesn't have family and his girlfriend wasn't there for whatever reason. I think she was out of town or something like that. So, um, we literally get in the vans, we're ready to go. And the coach has got to drive, right? We got to drive these vans. Coach Rob is in front. I'm in the back and I'm looking around. Where's Deshaun? And we can't find Deshaun. And then, so I'm, I'm like, okay, I look behind the van and he's back just walking in circles and he's like crying. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. What's going on? So I open the door. I'm the cars are the vans are running. And I'm like, man, what's wrong with this dude, man? I'm like, please, nothing catastrophic. Cause he's had nothing but disappointment yeah. and pain. You know, like what is going on now? You know? And so we're all, it was crazy as he was sick. We're all sick. It's 2019, yeah. December. This is when, like, I, I think we all had the disease you know like half the team was sick so we all passed it to each other we all passed COVID to each other I think you know so he's crying and then I go outside of the van and then all of a sudden he's just crying and then he falls over on me and he says coach I said what's wrong man what's going on what's, what's up what happened what happened to Sean what happened yeah. he said coach I he said coach I, I just want to talk to her man I just got questions and so he wanted to talk to his mom Mm. He said, I got questions. And then, so we sat there 10 minutes and we cried. And, and he said, I said, man, you can ask me anything. I got you. I said, I'm not your mom, but I got you. And, I, and, and then he says, uh, you know, and I said, I told him, I said, you mind forever, bro. Mm. We shed a tear with each, each other. I said, you mind forever. And then he, uh, and then he immediately wipes the tears off, sticks his chest back out. Deshaun gets back in the van. He starts acting like a jerk again. Like, you know, F y'all, you know, whatever. So <laughs> that was one of the a moment, uh, but those are always moments. It kind of helped me reflect and say, you know what, man, I got to make sure I'm, you know, it helped me to draw back and say, man, I got to remember they still young bucks that still need some guidance and they need to, they need some, some, uh, a figure there to kind of help them through some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, man, man. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for joining me on this podcast, man. I really, really honored to have you on the show and um, just, you know, shout out your social media where everybody can find you at. So I'm on Instagram uh, and what's crazy is I didn't have social media until uh, until like a month ago, man. You know, uh, Twitter. I had Twitter because I could just see stories or anything, yeah. but I never tweeted until a month ago. I had Twitter since 2009 and I never sent out a tweet. Wow. But so, but you can find me, Twitter is just John Mosley Jr. Mm. Okay. You know, it's John Mosley Jr. Uh, and it's spelled J-O-H-N-M-O-S-L-E-Y. 
and then uh and then you, we got uh i got uh instagram is at coach john mosley underscore elac so yeah okay cool 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 well once again thank you for coming on to the show uh y'all know y'all can follow me at daniel artest pod on twitter and on instagram it's daniel artest podcast and don't forget to uh you know follow 265 media podcast network at 265 media on all your you know podcasts wherever and please subscribe to this podcast wherever you consume your podcast content this is the end of daniel artest podcast for coach mosley over there i'm daniel artest love is love until next time peace